Well, go ahead, family, grab a seat and get comfortable. Glad to see you. God bless you. Uh, our service team are handing out uh, notes to help us stay on track this morning, and they're also going to hand out this little pledge card today because today is the 4th of June, and today is our special heart for His house and the harvest offering. So if you're here today visiting with us and your guests here today, please feel at home. Just know that we as a church delight in doing things that are beyond us, that are outside of our comfort zone. And so today we're receiving our annual uh, offering. It's a special offering due once a year. And we've been preparing ourselves for the last few weeks uh, to receive this. So together today, we're going to make a pledge over the next 12 months of what we believe God's going to help us do. And I'll explain more about that when we get to the end of our message this morning. Is that okay? Cool. All right. Service team are handing out notes. And if you need a pen, just uh, look longingly at the uh, person who serves you. And I'm sure we'll be able to get something to you. Fantastic. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Kip. Thank, let's thank the, uh, the guys on our back desks this morning, just making it all work together for us. Well done, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. You're doing a brilliant job. And I really appreciate you guys, the way you serve. Nehemiah is, uh, is our topic uh, this morning. And I want to ask this question. Uh, how many of you are builders here? How, how many of you are builders here? I see one, I see two, I see three. Um, how many of you are building a marriage? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, how many of you are building a family? Yeah, okay. How many are building a business? Yeah, okay. How many are building health and strength in your life? How many are building a discipleship journey in your life? Okay. How many builders we got here today? All right. So we're going to talk about this spirit of a builder, and it's from the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is famous for two things, his leadership and his resolve. Leadership in that he was able to draw together a group of people who were disconnected and disassociated and discouraged and bring them into a united working force. Nehemiah faced tremendous opposition and uh, was ridiculed and criticized, yet he managed to maintain his focus and help people achieve something which seemed impossible. And I want to share with you six or seven thoughts about having this spirit, this attitude, this, this perception or this, this disposition of heart, this posture in your life of being a builder. And it's all taken from the life of Nehemiah. Father God, today as we open our heart uh, intentionally, deliberately to your word and to your instruction, we thank you that we don't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, in all of our ways, we want to acknowledge you. We thank you that you've got counsel, you've got advice, you've got correction for our life, and we want to open our heart today to receive it so that we might achieve what you've got. And Father, we're careful to mix faith with the word we hear today because we know that if we don't mix faith with what we hear today, it will not profit us at all. So help us, Father, to take charge of what we hear, be receptive to what you're saying to us, and Lord, transform us day by day into the image of your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. In Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 7, there's a phrase that really stands out to me. It says that they built and they prospered. In the process of building, they found a way to prosper. Do you know what the word prosper means? It literally means to succeed in reaching. So if you're reaching for something, you're on the way towards prosperity. You're on the way towards achieving something that might seem possible now. 
And I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to encourage you and inspire, to agitate you and uh, put your heart to work to dream again. Because God has got something in store. He's kept something in reserve. It doesn't matter what the setbacks have been. Pete and I were talking this morning about how life sometimes dishes up things to us that just push us down under. But because there's buoyancy within. I might have to say that again. Because there's buoyancy within, we are destined to rise. Just touch your neighbor and say, I'm giving you the gift of buoyancy today. Go ahead, just tell somebody. Tell somebody, you have the gift of buoyancy. You have the gift of getting back up. There's a resilience in Jesus that's laid into us when we receive Holy Spirit. There's a capacity to rise above what life dishes out. Can I get a witness here this morning? If you're on the road and you listen to this tape, can I get a witness in your car today? So they built and prospered, 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 7. Number one, Nehemiah turned the pain of his moment, the pain of his situation into praise. If you're going to be a builder who succeeds, you've got to understand the power of praise. You've got to understand the power of putting something positive into your mouth. If your marriage is not going well, guess what? There's hope for it if you put something positive into your mouth. If your business is not going well, guess what? There's power in putting something positive into your mouth to declare over it. Don't be speaking about your mountain. Start speaking to them and expect by God's grace, the authority that resides within you is going to bring about transformative change. Now, the book of Revelation tells us that heaven is like a gate of pearl, constructed from pearl. Does anyone know how pearls get formed, get made? Well, I remind you, in case you've never heard of this, inside that little mollusk that lives in the sea, sometimes an oyster, sometimes a pearl shell usually, but sometimes it's that little mollusk, a grain of sand, or if it does artificially, a little slit of silver or some sort of agitation, like a little bit of broken glass or a little bit of plastic. They put it inside, and what the little creature does is it wraps that irritation in something called luster, something of beauty. And it And it turns that over and wraps that up and encases that in something beautiful. When we let irritation not become the focus, but when our heart goes, let's cover that over with praise. Let's cover that over with something beautiful. You see what happens? Whenever pain gets turned to praise, the gate of heaven opens over your life. Did you catch that? You see how that works? When pain gets turned to praise, the gate of heaven swings, the fulcrum of heaven, it opens up and God pours favor out upon you. Why? Because God delights in praising people. He likes to be around worshiping people. John chapter 4 says the Father is seeking worshipers. And if you're a worshiper, guess what? You don't need to worry about finding God. He'll find you. Number one, Nehemiah, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of agony, when he hears about what's happening in his hometown, Jerusalem, his heart is shattered. He's in absolute mental and emotional agony. Have you ever been there? Has life ever hit you so hard? Has stuff happened in your life where you go, God, and you've wept many days? Can I get a witness from somebody here today who knows what I'm talking about? This is Nehemiah's story. I'm talking about the spirit of building, right? And so Nehemiah comes to that soul defining moment where he's going to go, do I trust God? Do I complain? Do I, do I go out and start, you know, attacking guerrilla style? Or what do I do? And he starts to pray and he starts to praise 
and God begins to show him insight and revelation and understanding. Number one, we've got to turn pain into praise. Number two, Nehemiah was not daunted by the scope of the challenge. If you've never read the story of Nehemiah, you'll find him in the Old Testament. Someone says, what's the Old Testament? Well, that's the part of the Bible the Christians have that actually belongs to the Jewish people. It's their story. It's their narrative. It's how God worked with them. Our New Testament is built on top of all of that narrative, all of that story. But our story is in the New Testament, right? But we're not ignorant or unmindful about how God worked with all those people in the past, yeah? So Nehemiah is one of these amazing um, leaders that rise up to take a civic position within the history of Israel and actually goes back as a governor taking a civic position to bring about societal transformation, societal change, which paves the way for spiritual reformation. Absolutely amazing. Number two, he's not daunted by the scope of the challenge. Here's a scripture. He says when he gets to the city at night, he goes out in the dark. He just goes out with a few guys. And as he walks through past the valley gate and the serpent well and the dung gate or the refuse gate, the rubbish tip gate, and he viewed the walls of Jerusalem. And they were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good picture of a lot of people that I love. And I suspect you love as well. Aspects of their life have broken down, burnt out. Who knows what I'm talking about? If we are going to become an answer to our solution, to, to, if we're going to become an answer and a solution to our generation, we better let God work on putting out the fires in our own heart, yeah? And healing up those broken places within us. I'm, I'm talking to you, Destiny. Are you listening? Can you hear me? What are you not yet surrendering to God? If, if, if Nehemiah is in the person of Jesus revealing, he's a prophetic type of Christ of the way that Jesus would work within our lives. And he comes in, he looks and we go, there's this one story, Wayne, there's this one story in the Bible where there's this guy at this synagogue where Jesus is speaking and he's got a withered hand. You know that story, Faye? He's got a withered hand and, and the rabbi, Jesus, comes along and he says, and everyone's looking at this guy. And he says, stretch out your hand. Now, now, how many hands has this guy got? Two. If you and I were there, what would we do? Hey, look, here's my hand. It's good. And we keep our hidden, don't we? Another church I was preaching at, that was their story, not, not your story. We don't want to show to God what's broken and damaged and handicapped, do we? But only when we get vulnerable with God. Can a miracle happen? When what's been burnt and broken can actually come back to be whole and healed and victorious again. And he stretches out that which had been deformed and it was, it was like new. When you open up to God, you see, you can never get healed in the darkness, but when you bring your deeds out into the light, when you're in community, when you get open before God, can I get somebody here who's an old time saint say that's true? I've proven that to be real in my life. When I try to hide away, God can't work. But when I bring it out into the open, and so here's Nehemiah, and he, he's not daunted by the, by the size of the challenge. Some of you look within, and all you see is your own problems, and you feel like you're the only construction guy on your job site. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I've got, I've got to tell you something. 
this rabbi that we're worshipping, he's got a part-time job. He's a carpenter. He actually knows how to put stuff back together again. He actually knows how to form things. He actually knows how to reassemble things. He actually knows how to bring something good out of something that's trashy. And a few ex-trashy people here today. We were like that, but God did something good in our life. We are trophies of God's grace. We were heading in the wrong direction. Without God in my life, you wouldn't want to know me. Don't look so pious and holy at me. We wouldn't want to know you either. Jesus is the reason why we are who we are becoming. And so Nehemiah was not daunted by that task because he knew that he wasn't alone. Number three. You with me? Number three. Oh, there's a scripture here. It says in Judges chapter 5, verse 2, when the leaders led in Israel and when people willingly offered themselves, bless the Lord. Judges 5, verse 2. You might want to write that scripture down, have a look at that later. Judges 5, verse 2. Judges 5, verse 2. It says, when the leaders led, that's what leadership needs to do, needs to cast vision, needs to take the church in a direction. When the people willingly offered themselves, when they said, we're in, boots and all, whatever it takes, I'll pay, and if there's more, I'll pay more when I come again. That spirit we talked about last week, right? The Good Samaritan. See, as a church, we're not looking for large amounts from a few people. We're looking for small, realistic amounts in our offering today from the majority of people. Because I've learned as being a pastor for the last 30 years that we build buildings and we fund missionaries from the 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 dollars that most of us can live without. Week by week, most of us can do without a coffee. Just one coffee, we can do without a coffee. Once, just so that the gospel of Jesus that transforms human lives still today can get to places where it's never been heard before. I think that's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. Number three, number three, moving along. He saw that a community could be engaged to achieve a social transformation, a social change. I love this. Here's a scripture I want you to look at this morning. It says, I said to them, speaking to the people who had gathered, Nehemiah stands up and he says, can't you see the distress that we're in? That's, that's the trouble, right? Is that we get used to the situation that we're in. We just get used to it. A fish doesn't know it's wet, does it? Because they only ever know on water. You take a fish out of water and he's, he's agitated, but put him in the water, he's fine, he's home, right? And we don't know. You ever been to a hoarder's house? If that's you, just look straight ahead and smile. No one will know it's you because we're not at your house. Not taking a video out of your place. You ever been to a hoarder's house? They live in an environment that they, that's just how it is, right? But Nehemiah had to say, he said, can't you see the distress that we're in? We have got a problem and we need to do something about it. Yeah, look what he says. Jerusalem lies in waste. Gates are burned with fire. Come on. I love that language. You know, it's okay to say, come on to the preacher. It's okay to say, come on to the worship leaders. Evangelo, I don't know if you could hear me this morning, honey, but I'm saying, come on. Because there's an anointing on your life as you were leading this morning. I want you to step out and break out. What's wrong with you? I'd be shouting and cheering. Wasn't that true? It was so good this morning. It was so good. Gates are burned with fire. Come on, let's build. Let's, be, let's take on that spirit of a builder. Let's build the wall of Jerusalem that we would no longer be a reproach. And I told them about how God had been gracious to me and his hand upon my life. And so they all said, they all responded and said, hey, let us, which is not like tomatoes and cucumbers. It's saying, let, let us get in on the act. Let us do something together. Let's rise up and build. 
and they set their hand to this good work. One translation says their attitude was adjusted to work. I love it. I love it. I love the word that you use, prayer and labor. I love that. It's fantastic. It's so true. And so we got to get in on the action because if we engage in this together, God will bring about transformation and change. Uh, not just here in our church, but then through our church to the nations of the world. Number four. Number four. Nehemiah connected. He connected social action, physical action with God's higher purpose. Practical action with God's higher purpose. If you don't understand that the little things that you do add up to something, then you've missed out on one of the great keys of life. Marriages are built on a few kind words and a lot of kind deeds. That's a, that's a paradise place to be. Yeah? But if those things are missing, if it's the little things that are missing, it adds up to being quite a lot. The practical things, if you're going to be a builder, pay your debt on time. If, you, if you're a tradie and you tell someone you're going to be there, be there on time or even early, right? Because if, if you are late, guess what? It's those little things that add up to make you lose trust. Practical action leads to God's higher purpose. Here's a scripture. When Sanballat and Gershom and Tobiah heard about it, they laughed at us. They scoffed and despised. and They said, what's this thing that you were doing? And I said to them, I love this, the God of heaven, the God of heaven will prosper us. The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise up. We will rise up and we will build. We'll get to work. We will get to work. But you have got nothing to share. There's no place for you in the memorial, in the legacy and the heritage and the history of what God is doing in the earth right now. You know what? There will always be opposition. There always has been and there always will be, especially when you try to do something for God's kingdom. There'll always be a roadblock. There'll always be something that comes up and goes, you can't do that. It'll always seem like it's too hard, Pete, Sarah. It'll always seem like this is never going to happen. But when God speaks, there's life-giving power. There's miracle-releasing power in what God has said. And what seems like an impossibility by God's grace is going to become an, a possibility to the glory of God. We answered them, hey, you've got nothing and no part. Number five, number five, you're going to be a builder. You're going to have that spirit of a builder. You're going to build something in your life, in your family, for your future and leave a legacy. You've got to overcome, focus, overcome uh, distractions and opposition and maintain focus. We talked a little bit about that this morning. But it's so important not to lose your focus, to keep your eye on the goal, to write down the vision and keep heading towards it. That's why this morning when you receive your little pledge card, it's going to have a part for you to put in the offering bag and a part for you to take home and put in the book you're reading on the Bible, stick it on the beauty mirror, put it on the fridge, uh, put it on the beer cabinet for some of you, uh, put, it, put it on the telly so you can't see it, uh, put it on the door just before you walk out the door and you see it and you pray over it in the morning, yeah? Put it on the front of your iPad, put it somewhere you're going to see it. Maintain focus. Look what the scripture says. I love this. It says, I'm going to read a little bit longer than what's on the screen. Is that okay? It says, when it happened that they heard that we were rebuilding the wall, they were furious and indignant and they mocked us. And they spoke and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the rubbish, stones that are burnt? Will they, will they retrieve something that's been broken and destroyed? Will they make something good out of it? 
Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up against it, will break down their stone wall. So Nehemiah prayed and said, Here, O God, we are despised. Turn their approach upon their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Don't cover up their iniquity and don't let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked us to anger. And they continued to build the wall and the entire wall was joined together to half of its height because the people had a mind to work. The people possessed an attitude of heart that said, we're in this and we're in this together. It's so important to understand that what we do as we do it collectively can achieve a great power. When one person does something, it's awesome. When two people get together and do it, it's brilliant. When an entire family, an entire community puts their heart and hand together, it's astonishing what can be achieved. Now, Nehemiah could have come back and he could have said, oh, I see the walls are broken down. See the gates are burned with fire. We'll develop a 10-year building program. And me and my men, who are funded by the king, we'll just take care of it. And you guys just go about your lives. Well, that's not Nehemiah's approach because he recognizes that what needs to get formed is not the walls, but the relationships between the people. And as they faced opposition together, and as they worked with a common goal, guess what? Neighbors were brought together. People who'd been dislocated and disconnected and dismissive of each other suddenly found themselves united in a fight and with a task they could all work on and achieve together. And once a team starts achieving something, once a family starts achieving something, once a marriage starts achieving something, boy, there's power and accomplishment. Is absolute power in goal setting and goal achieving. What Sharon and I used to do was we had this list. I would do it up every week. And it was little projects that we wanted to achieve together as a family. And always at the top of the line, John, I'd always put a brand new boat that was always at the top of the line. And Sharon would break into my computer, Kyle, and she would hack my computer and she'd reduce it down to minus five font and she'd put it right down the line. So you'd have, you'd have to get a magnifying glass to actually see it, George. It, it was a, but there were things like swimming pool. Who needs a swimming pool? You know, microwave. Who needs a microwave? Dishwasher. Who needs a dishwasher? You know, when, when you could have a brand new boat. And so we had all these things, right? Had all these things, lunch boxes for kids, and, you know, school bags for kids. It was always under the boat because the boat, that was a... And, but what we did was when we achieved that goal, we put it down below the line and we always rejoiced. And we said, one night a week, we take that page and we put it on the table and say, God, we thank you for the little things that we're doing. And as a family, we began to achieve. And guess what? Confidence began to come back. Confidence began to come back. Hey, if you're in depression right now, get a plant. Because if you can keep a plant alive, there's hope for you. Then you can upgrade from a plant to a puppy. Don't get a cat. Don't get a cat. Get, get a puppy, and because puppies love people. Uh, cats, uh, who can work out what a cat does? When you start accomplishing and achieving something, and you're doing it together with other people, boy, it's powerful. Because nothing succeeds like success. And if you start to get momentum, somebody say momentum, you start getting some wins on the board. You start seeing the miracles of God. Start seeing the blessings that's coming in. Start seeing, hey, we didn't talk to each other for a week, but now we're having a, a conversation, you know, twice a week. That's good. That's progress. Praise God. That's progress. Keep charting the course. Maintain the focus. See that what you're doing in the small realm is actually going to build something greater and add something more powerful. That's number five. Number six. 
Number six is that Nehemiah sacrificially led the way. Nehemiah sacrificially led the way. I've told you before as a church that when Sharon and I came here, it wasn't because it was the best offer. I came here, Sharon and I came here because it was the biggest challenge. And I need a Goliath to kill. And so do you. Because that's the person God's made you to be. He's made you to rise up and conquer. He's called you to be the head and not the tail. To be above and not beneath. To have the capacity to lend to many nations and have no need to borrow. That's who you are. That's your destiny. So when we came here, our church was only in a position to offer me two days a week salary. And I said, what, you're going to pay me to do this? How blessed am I? How blessed am I? But it's been a privilege to sacrifice and to serve. It's a privilege to sacrifice. And I'm not here to blow my own trumpet, but I'm saying that what we're doing is worthy of the sacrifice that we make. He is worthy and humanity is worthy. If God so loved the world the way He did, and He's within us, do you think some of that love will seep out some way? So let's join, let's roll up our sleeves together. Let's roll up our sleeves together and let's serve the master. Let's do something that leaves a mark, not just in our moment, in, in our church facility, not just here locally in Atherton, but through this place to touch the nations of the world. Can I get a witness here this morning? If you love the nations of the world, can I get a witness here this morning? Number six, he sacrificially led the way. Nehemiah chapter four, it says that they labored in the work. Half of the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. And the others, they worked with a trowel and with the stone and with mortar. And they were there side by side, working day and working night into the night. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men or the guard who followed me took off their clothes except to wash them. Aren't you glad they've got that in the Bible? Because <laughs> a month and a half without changing your clothes. Woo, I don't care how much I was told to love you. You can get down the creek and have a shower, have a bath, get a wash off, right? But these guys, they kept at it side by side by side, and they achieved something phenomenal. Nehemiah was prepared to stand up and say, I'm doing it. Will you stand up and do it with me? And that's what I'm saying to you as a church. Sharon and I are totally committed to what we're doing here as a, as a local church and what God wants to do through this church to touch the nations of the world. We've had a few failures as a church. We've had a few wins too. But I'm here to tell you this with all of my heart. I absolutely believe that God will help this church reposition to be in a position of tremendous strength and tremendous favor and tremendous victory because I believe that's the future and that's the destiny of this house. And so I'm going to invite you right now. Our service team has already handed out, I believe, Pastor Jonathan, that everyone's got a giving card. So guys, can you go to the next slide for me? And it's just going to show us what our goals are for this year. We're believing, God, that we, in this next 12-month period, that by the help and grace of everyone doing something, everyone doing something, because everyone can do something, we're going to reach our goal. But we want to spend $4,000 renovating our kids' church, which we started to do, moving out church offices, taking us money. That's already started to do that. Our cafe, we need to spend some coin out in our cafe. We want to do that. We're committed to doing that. 
we want to do things that are going to touch the nation. Alpha Crucis is our, our movement, the Australian Christian Churches. It's got a Christian university that's in the process, in the making. It now has a college university registration and status. We're a few steps away from becoming a full-blown Christian university here in Australia. But we as a church are partnering with that because it's nation building. We're, we are involved in equipping by, by doing pastors leadership training and seminars and stuff like that. We want to give money to the Philippines because our heart is connected to the Philippines, not just because of Patrick and Joy and Edwin and Anna, but because God has got a unique relationship there. It's been in my heart for a long time. What's happening in Nepal, um, we've got Christian schools starting in an absolutely closed country. If any of you know what this means, you'll be excited as I am. This is absolutely astonishing. And we want to put a water bore into South Sudan so that people don't need to walk, particularly children and women need to walk so far to get water. And we want to be a part of something very practical so that when people think about where's this water coming from, it's water for life, but it speaks about the water of life. And they can see that's the heart. All right, our next slide. How can we reach that kind of money, $38,000, $40,000? Well, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. If one person gives $200, uh, we've got 10400 over the year, 52 weeks. If one person gives $100, we've got $5,200. Uh, two at 50, again, you can see all the way down to 40 at $2.50. You know, almost everybody, almost everybody could say, David, you know, I could do $2.50. I will not at all despise or ridicule or feel like you can do better if someone says, I'm good for $2.50. Because I know that in my heart as a child, this is where I started. And I maintained it through my teenage years. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And it's amazing as you sow something, your heart bonds to it, right? Because where your treasure is, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart is. That's your heart, your affection, your passion, your interest. Every one of us, I believe. And so I'm looking to see that we would, we'd see 80 people, close to 80 people go, yeah. I'm, I'm committed. I want to do something. So I'm going to invite you. We're going to take five minutes now, and we're going to all, each one of us, fill out this card. Now, the colorful part is the part that you keep, and the little part on the end, the little wing on the end, you tear that off, and we're going to receive that little wing part so that we can tally it up because I want to tell our church how we went, how we've gone towards our goal, what our pledge is. We're not going to receive cash today. We're just going to go, by God's grace, I'm going to believe that week by week, over and above my regular giving, I'm going to put that towards our HHH offering, which is our heart for the house and for the harvest. And by God's grace, we're going to touch not just this community, but the nations together in Jesus' name and with the love of Christ. So go ahead and take a moment and just complete that. And then, Pastor Jonathan, when you get the wave, we've got you and a team member going to come and we're going to receive all of these little pledge cards. I'm very excited to tell you, church, that even before we got to this morning, um, we're already halfway towards our goal. We're already halfway towards our goal, which I, th which I think is awesome. We're more than halfway towards our goal. So we can do this. We can do this. As I started to share this with our team, of our team, people started coming and saying, Pastor, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm so excited that we're doing this together. It's not about raising finance as much as it's about raising faith. Because when God speaks to you, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing God's word. And when we act on that, faith is built. Faith is developed. And faith is like a muscle. 
it continues to go and get stronger and get stronger. Cool. Jane, if you're available, would you come back to the keyboard, please? And we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray and we're going to dedicate this to the Lord. If you're watching online today and you'd like to be involved, uh, you can just simply jump on our website, check out uh, our bank account details and just register it as HHH offering and then Adam and Ranjani will make sure it gets to the right direction or you can put a tag beside it. You want to give a love offering to Pastor David or something like that. It'll find, it'll get to the right place. We'll make sure that it gets where it needs to go. Fantastic. Big congratulations to Emmanuel and to, uh, and to Tim. They rode 150 plus kilometers yesterday for a chaplaincy uh, fun, fun ride on, on, their, on their push, not their motorbikes, on their push bikes. And I reckon that's pretty awesome. So good on you guys. Um, well done and congratulations to that. All right, who needs some more time? So the deal is you write on the one with the color and you keep that in your Bible, keep that in your notebook or in your journal or wherever you're going to see it on a daily basis to pray and to be obedient to the faith that God's put into your heart. But the little part on the end, that little wing, you're going to tear that off. Don't need your name on there. Just need, actually, yeah, put your name on there. That'd be good. I know who's partnering with me. That, I'd appreciate that. Please do that. We're in this together as family. And, um, and then put the amount, if it's going to be weekly or monthly, so that we can rejoice together as a church. Every year we'll do this. Uh, it's how we've built buildings. It's how we've funded missionaries all through our life. Just by going together, we can do something that is significant and astonishing. And the grace that others experience because of our faith and our obedience is a beautiful and powerful thing. Now, if you've completed that little task, I invite you to stand to your feet. Father God, I'm so thankful that we are custodians of a message that truly does change the world in beautiful ways. That the love and humility of Jesus can come inside a person's heart, can transform them from who they were into who you've imagined them to be. We thank you for the transforming power of the truth of Jesus Christ. The grace and wisdom you have for our life and for our community, for our generation. It's powerful, Lord, and we're thankful for what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, today I just thank you that there is favor over this house. Lord, there's blessing on every side. There is prosperity and opportunity for us. And as we stand together to do something beyond ourselves, for people who most likely will never meet this side of eternity, Father, may there be blessing. May there be peace and may there be joy. We know that it's more blessed to give than receive because we've been blessed in order to be able to give so that others can receive. So Father, thank you for the anointing that's on our lives, the anointing that's on our church and the grace that we have the ability that you've given to us, Lord, is truly awesome and unique. I pray blessing upon every giver, upon every family, every young person, every child, Lord, that stands in courage and does something 
does something that will last for eternity. I'm thankful for this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.